Listen again for what the Spirit of God is saying to us today in the book of Hebrews, in the 12th chapter. You have not come from something that can be touched. You have not come to something that can be touched. A blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearer beg that not another word should be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. Even if even an animal touches the mountain, it shall be stoned to death. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse the one who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused the one who warned them on earth, so much less will they escape if we reject the one who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of what is shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us give thanks, by which we offer to God an acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For indeed, our God is a consuming fire, this, too, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear God, shake us by your Holy Spirit, so that what is of no good falls away, and what remains is rooted in your unfailing word. Amen. Bob Ross. Bob Ross liked to paint mountains. You know who I'm talking about? Bob Ross. He loved to paint mountains. Bob Ross painted landscapes for a public television audience in the 1980s and 90s. He painted uh, happy little trees. And he assured us that there's nothing wrong with having a tree as a friend. And he said when painting, we don't make mistakes, just happy little accidents. He had the most beautiful hair you've ever seen, a perfect globe of a perm. 
I remember Bob Ross on TV when I was a kid, and now, thanks to our current cultural moment of desperate nostalgia and the need to escape the insanity of current events, even though Bob Ross died in 1995, Bob Ross is back on Netflix, a gentle, soothing, and kind guide showing us how to paint a better, happier reality, if only on canvas. Last weekend, most of you will remember, I was pretty sick, uh, and I was mostly confined on Friday and Saturday to my bed and couch. On Saturday morning, while the girls napped, Ellen took the opportunity to run some errands, uh, but she asked me to at least listen out for them if they woke up. So I turned on Joy of Painting, and almost immediately Bob Ross lulled me to sleep with a painting of happy little waves breaking on a rocky shore. And my thinking was that if Lydia Grace happened to wake up and find me accidentally asleep on the couch, Bob Ross would immediately capture her attention, and then he would supervise her. And that's exactly what happened. Ellen came home with an armful of groceries, and I was fast asleep on the couch, and Lydia Grace sat at my feet transfixed as Bob Ross created a soaring ice-capped mountain. And I awoke just in time to see the finished painting and hear Bob Ross say, happy painting and God bless you, my friend. And I whispered back, thank you, Bob Ross. Thank you for everything. Bob Ross has painted the ideal, beautiful, happy mountain with his happy little brushes. The preacher of the book of Hebrews paints the ideal mountain called Mount Zion with his words. The preacher describes this image of two contrasting mountains, one that cannot be touched. It's a blazing fire, a gloomy darkness. It echoes with a terrifying voice that anyone who hears it begs to stop. Moses was terrified on this mountain. The other mountain, one that Bob paints, echoes with his voice of peace and beauty and happy blessings. That mountain, called Zion, is filled with innumerable partying angels, it says. And also all of the people who have died are there alive, gathered around God, and Jesus is there too, mediating it all. A hosting, we might say. In this sermon, the preacher has been urging his congregation who are wandering in an exhausting spiritual wilderness to consider seeking out a more peaceful, beautiful mountain full of promises of hope. This is a choice that we face in our own struggles in life. Sometimes people set out on a hike up a hard mountain of terrible choices. We've probably all been in a season where we decided to hike up a mountain of terrible choices. When worry and anxiety strike, when life is weighing down hard, there may be a temptation to turn to unhealthy ways of coping, to start hiking up a 
hard mountain. For some, it's to turn to substances like alcohol or drugs or food even to numb the pain. Some may find themselves even thinking about suicide. Some start hanging around a bad crowd. Others start to beat themselves up. In times of stress, we have familiar but not life-giving ways to try and escape the spiritual desert. We all have a mountain of despair that we can climb, but it's a trap. It's fire and gloom and darkness. But God gives a better option, a mountain of hope, life that is good and worthy of living. Whatever struggle we may be facing, that mountain tells us that others have been where we are, as hard as that may be to believe, that God is with us as a guide through our hard places up to the top of a better place, a place of life. This is the message that the preacher of Hebrews is delivering, that life is a journey with both joys and struggles, and in the hardest times, it may seem that there is no way out, that you are alone, that no one could understand. But the preacher says that we've all been there, and there is a way out. And let me guide you, and let me walk with you to a better mountain, a mountain of hope and healing. Back to Bob Ross. He once said he got a letter from a fan that said, Bob, everything in your world seems to be happy. And Bob said, well, that's for sure. That's why I paint. It's because I can create the kind of world that I want, and I can make this world as happy as I want it. He said, shoot, if you want that bad stuff, watch the news. Now, some might see a little bit of naive escapism in Bob, but there's more than that. Bob knew the world is a hard place. I, I just learned that this uh, might be surprising to you too. It was to me that Bob was in the Air Force for 20 years, and he reached the rank of Master Sergeant before he became a painter. In Bob's own words, he said, I was the guy who makes you scrub the latrine, the guy who makes you make your bed, the guy who screams at you. Bob Ross screams at you for being late to work. The job requires you to be a mean, tough person. Bob Ross was not naive about this world. Bob used to take in wounded animals. Bob battled lymphoma for years while producing his show, and he died at only 52 years old. Bob Ross knew well the reality of this world. I've noticed that Bob starts many of his paintings by covering a large portion of his canvas with black gesso paint, and it makes the canvas this deep, black. It dries really hard and stiff on the canvas. Bob starts with the hard darkness, and he uses it. And from out of that darkness, slowly, happily, 
emerges the beautiful world that his heart desires. And it becomes a reality for him and for many in his audience. I suspect it was his faith that allowed Bob to be so comfortable creating a joyful reality out of the dark, finding meaning and beauty in our many happy little accidents. The preacher of Hebrews is doing the very same thing for us. The preacher reminds us that God alone is the eternal creator, the artist of both heaven and earth, that this world we know is so shakable, it is so fragile, it is so susceptible to corruption. Large portions of life for many seem to be covered in a hard darkness. But the world that God promises us, the world that is so full of life and the celebration of life of every kind, the world of eternal joy and reconciliation, that world that God has prepared for us is trustworthy and reliable and guaranteed to be good and steady and already filled up with the spirits of God's people. God has the power to take our world, what is seen and unseen, and transform it into something beautiful, a, a wonderful home for all. God looks at what may seem to us to be an empty, empty canvas or a thick darkness, and God sees our lives and our communities and an emerging beauty filled as the city of God. Not only does God have the power to create that world out of our world, that is what God promises to do. This painting is not finished. We are works in progress. And the paint hasn't dried. The clay has not set. In fact, says the preacher, God's going to shake the heavens and the earth so that that which is not rooted in God's perfect plan will just fly away. God will grab hold to the corners of this creation and shake us, shake us like a picnic blanket after a summer meal. And all that will fly off is the pain of this life. And all that will remain is that which is good. For indeed, our God is a consuming fire, consuming all that causes us to suffer, making way for all that leads to a full, grace-filled life. As the preacher presents us with this image of the world that God has promised, called a better word, he's not asking us to give up hope in the world that we live in now hoping and just waiting for a better world to come, one that has already been shaken clean and filled with good things. No, in, in, instead, as people of faith, God invites us to join God in doing the shaking and in doing the painting. We are co-workers, co-creators with God in transforming this world into the better world that God has promised, and it starts right here with those closest to us, in our families and our friendships, in our church, our community, our neighborhood. 
the recreation of God's beloved community is a local movement. The preacher says, since we are currently receiving an unshakable kingdom, let's not just sit and wait and wring our hands. No, let's give thanks. Let's offer God our worship and our reverence and our awe. For God is at work and we show our thanks and our worship by joining God in faith. Through our prayers, through our love of God and every life that God has made, and through our service to God's mission. The preacher, in, in fact, encourages us to take up our lives and join in God's creation. And as Bob Ross would say, happy painting, and God bless you, my friend. Amen. Amen.